from the former convent of the Good Shepherd overlooking Inwood Hill Park in New York City. Welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air. It's where you meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home in what we affectionately call upstate Manhattan. I'm your host, Aaron Sims, and today we welcome actor Mary Ilse. Mary has had a story Broadway touring and international acting career. Broadway performances include The Phantom of the Opera, Music Man Revival, with more than 80 performances as Marion, I might add, The Scarlet Pimpernel, Steel Pier, and She Loves Me. Internationally, she was in the original Toronto company of Sunset Boulevard with Diane Carroll, directed by Trevor Nunn, and she played the Gumby Cat and Griddlebone and Cats Paris in French and Cats Vienna in German. Mary is also an original company member in the Anastasia First National Tour in 2019, where she understudied performed the role of the Dowager Empress. Select off-Broadway credits include Fiddler Nach at the National Yiddish Theater Volksbein, directed by acclaimed actor-director Joel Gray, Noel Coward's After the Ball at Irish Rep, and four shows for New York City Center's Encore series. When not performing, she teaches voice in New York and is a founding teacher for the Joffrey Ballet Summer Musical Theater Workshop. We're going to talk to her about her work on and off stage, but first, let me welcome you, Mary, to Inwood Artworks On Air. It's great to have you here. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Aaron. It's great to see you. Great to be here. Yeah. So how you been? Good. Good. We're trotting along. Busy. Yeah. It's, it's nice. It's, we're in a far different place than we were a few years ago, right? Absolutely. Thank goodness. We're unmasked. Yeah. We're walking amongst people. People yeah. seem generally happy. Concerned, but happy. Right. Concerned, but happy. We're progressing. We're moving forward. We're dealing. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And the industry's coming back, which is also a good thing, too, it seems. Absolutely. Yeah. It was a little rocky at first, you know, last fall when everything started to reopen. And we had to close again some and then reopen again. But um, some shows are closing, you know, like in September, Come From Away is closing. But they had an amazing run. Yeah. So some theaters are opening up. Some little off-Broadway shows are dropping into Broadway. And there's a circling effect of the hovering, like, who gets which theater? Are we going to go in? When do we drop in? So, yeah, I think everyone's feeling hopeful. That's great. No, that's wonderful. Um, does feel positive uh, that we're all moving forward as an industry again. And yeah. yeah, to have a queue for shows, that's a great thing, which means jobs. Right on. So we'll yeah. take it. So basically, Mary, you basically have done it all from having me recite your tome of a resume uh, <laughs> and bio. Um, having performed on all types of stages in professional theater, what made you want to pursue a career as an actor? I pretty much was born dancing on our coffee table in Dayton, Ohio, <laughs> in the house. Begged my parents for ballet lessons. They had no idea what that meant, but they found someone wonderful, and I started singing in choir in our church. Um, I've just always wanted to do it. Um, you know, seeing all those old movies when I was a little kid, Mary Poppins, Oklahoma, The Wizard of Oz, Cinderella with Leslie Ann Warren broadcast every year on television, West Side Story broadcast every year on television, those kinds of things. It was just always what I wanted to do. There was nothing else I ever, ever thought I would ever want to do. And did you, would your parents or your, anybody in your family had an artistic background at all? No, not really. Um, they always, you know, we always had music playing in the house. Um, we grew up in a Hungarian culture, so we went to all the Hungarian picnics and we danced. We... Um, my dad loves music. Uh, we always had, you know, Frank Sinatra playing or um, whatever, you know. Um, 
I grew up listening to all the pop artists of the 70s, so, but no, no one professional. Yeah. I'm the same way. I came from the same family, and nobody yeah. professional. And but it's great to have that kind of blind faith in you, right, from your family saying, yeah. sure, we'll pay for dance lessons. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> go, go, good luck. Yeah. Make something of yourself, kid. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what was your first paid gig? Do you remember? My first paid gig, uh, I worked at Geauga Lake in North, what is that, North... Northeastern Ohio. Yeah. I don't think it exists anymore. If it does, I'm not sure. But um, yeah, I got a job there uh, the summer between my sophomore and junior year of college, I think. Doing, you know, the theme park shows. It was a lot of fun. And was it then you were like, okay, I can do this. I want to I want to keep going. Or oh, absolutely. That, that was like the... You're, you're, you're on your own at that point. You're like, this is it. I'm out of here. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And... I was at Ohio State University, got a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree there. They only had it for five years, and I was there for the first four of that degree being offered there. Lucky. And I know, and I, I got to do operas. I got to take all the dance classes I wanted. I had acting classes. Um, I had to take music theory. You know, I had a real broad um, opportunity spectrum, let's say. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Ohio, yeah. Ohio is a great place to become an actor. My first summer stock yeah. gig was also between... My sophomore and junior year oh, yeah. in Marietta, Ohio. Oh yeah, yeah. What was that? <laughs> oh, it was the showboat Becky Thatcher. We were oh, doing yeah. we were doing musicals and and, mel- and melodramas, both called melodramas, inside a hollowed out sternwheeler yep. on the Muskingum River. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was definitely you learned your chops and you knew you were like. I remember going back to. I went to Butler for my undergrad, so right, just right. directly across on I was it I eighty I guess going from or seventy, 70 from yeah. Columbus to Indianapolis, we're just a heartbeat away there, kind of in Dayton right. too and all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I remember leaving for the summer and then coming back and my, I mean, because you just you worked, you just worked every day, and you your remember my acting teacher came back and she was like, and we we had auditions for the fall plays at our school, and she remember her saying to me going like, you were just there you were as big you were right. you were like well because like you were used to performing and every you know, day every yeah. day i mean and we're talking like you're saying theme park versus same thing here it's like probably 11 times a week as a non-union performer right you know we yeah. were hustling hard yeah. you know we just every we lived and then we slept ate and drank it right exactly yeah well um i think it's amazing that you cut your chops there and uh i have to affinity for ohio as well of course but right. um um so so many, so many memories, uh, and I don't want to get through every single <laughs> function of your life or this podcast yeah, to be 25 good. hours long, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, picking up on your time in France and Germany, mm, yeah. I have to think those performances were memorable of Cats, uh, and that, or that, or that, or that yeah. time, perhaps. Uh, oh, yeah. I was and, in my late 20s. And, 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 and Andrew Weber was the hottest thing since sliced yeah. bread at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I... I had just moved to New York. I, I worked at Disney World after college. Terrific job. A lot of my colleagues from those times are also professional actor, singer, dancer, director, choreographer types. And then I moved to New York, didn't really like it. And I was like, oh, look, there's this audition for Cats Paris. Mm, I'll go sing my foray art song and dance for them. And, and I had to come back a couple of times. And my sister was also getting married, like, right around the same time as I was auditioning. And... um. I had gone back twice already, and I was so, like, full of myself in a good way (laughs) 
they, um, they said, great, can you come back tomorrow, Friday, one more time to sing once more in French for us? And I said, actually, no, I'm flying tomorrow to Ohio for my sister's wedding. And they said, okay, great, you have the job. <laughs> and I, I was like, wow, this is a great lesson to remember. Yeah. Um, you know, stand up for yourself. But um, yeah, it was incredible. Um, it was a multi-culti cast in France. It was an original production. It was the 13th production of Cats ever. So on the license plate on the car on the set, it was um, 13, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a Hungarian Mistopheles, an Italian bomb ballerina, a lot of Dutch folks, um, three or four Americans, some Canadians, um, a couple Germans. It was really, really wonderful. And we were there for the French Bicentennial in um, July of 1989. Holy mackerel. But that was awesome. It was incredible. Wow. Well, yeah. did you have any Hungarian relatives come visit by any chance to see the show? Not to Paris, but then I went to Vienna to do Cats in German, and uh, my great aunt and my sec- her, her daughter came to see me there. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. That's yeah, so cool. Yeah, it was cool. terrific. Oh, man. It was uh, terrific. Um, what do you think about touring versus like sit, 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 uh, sit downs? Because you've done it all. Um, uh, it's a different life, right? Uh, and being away for so long too. I mean, your home's yeah. here in New York. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing to tour. I think everyone should do it at least once. You really come together as a company. And the most important thing is that you have a good company manager and good stage management and all of that kind of like making all the decisions and making sure people are happy and taking care of the company on the road. And we had an incredible company manager with Anastasia, Denny Daniello. He won an award (laughs) from the company manager's association or something. And uh, that's amazing. Yeah. um, It's terrific. It's really terrific. I was going to say that. It's like, you know, you've been everywhere and, um, you know, you were were on quite a roll in the pre-COVID times, if I remember correctly. You you had the Anastasia tour. Was that then you went right into... Uh, the Yiddish fiddler is, that, or was it, was it, yeah. was, I think that was right. All right. Fiddler was first. Fiddler, fiddler, sorry, fiddler yeah, was first. Yeah. And then you got Anastasia. And I right? went on tour. Yeah. Right. You went on tour for, and that was a year long tour, wasn't it? I stayed for a year. Yeah. Wow. I mm-hmm. mean, just back to back, two, two totally different, but wonderful shows. Awesome. And, yeah. si- and a sidebar, I think they're bringing the fiddler back. Bringing Yiddish they? fiddler back for an eight the, week run. That's awesome. Yeah. Are you involved in any way? Not as of yet. Okay. We'll see. We'll keep our ears peeled for that one. Okay. Eyes peeled for that one. Um, <laughs> So, you, and you've done a lot of talenters. Um, uh, any particular, um, I mean, what a, what a great time. What was it working with Joel Gray? He's amazing. He, he's what, 90 now, I yeah. think, or 91. Um, so what, he was like 86, 87 when we started rehearsals. He's just, you know, there's no negativity. Everything was just... Let's try this. Here we go. And then, you know, if, if something like was beyond his ken or something like, w- did she say that Yiddish word right? You know, then there were, we had our Yiddish coach and we had all kinds of people, you know, making sure that we felt like we could get this show up and running in Yiddish mm-hmm. uh, in time to open. He's great. He, he just loved being in the room with us. He had a sparkle in his eye all the time um and everyone was just kind of like wow i i am in a room with joel gray he's directing the show 
wonder how that you came know. to be, honestly. The hobby. Do you know how I became the director of the show, any chance? I have no I'm idea why. Sh- yeah, I'm not really sure. Um, I know that, you know, the National Yiddish Theater Folks Bina kind of has been on a rise in the last five years, um, really gaining um, a lot of notoriety in the off-Broadway scene, you know. They had done a couple of other really beautiful shows, um, forget their names now it's terrible but um they they've kind of really piqued a lot of people's interests in terms of what they're producing mm-hmm. and i think they were just ready to make a big splash and they're like let's ask joel gray if he'd want to direct this because he's of jewish heritage right. and um you know obviously venerated you know he knows a territory yeah wise for exactly sure. <laughs> yeah but I'm not. I'm not exactly sure how. I'm just he got curious because yeah. just for people who know, he he doesn't really direct, and so that's right. he doesn't have a history of directing. So that was that's why that was also unique. And I also have to say, it brought a little certain to me as uh, someone who is in the industry. It brought a little buzz to the production too. I think exactly, which mm-hmm. is never a bad thing. Never a bad thing. Um, do you have a, a particular favorite show that you've worked on? Like, does it you, you like when you'd like to? I mean, I don't know how to say it. Yeah, I mean. My my answer is usually the show I'm working on right now is my favorite one because you're working on something or not. But is there anything that you kind of come back to sometimes? I guess there are always moments in every show that were unforgettable or somehow eye-opening or deeply emotional in some way. Um, like doing the scene into Till There Was You in the Music Man revival. Um, I'll always be grateful to dear Rebecca Luker for taking so many vacation days. (laughs) She was such a dear, dear, generous, talented, beautiful woman. And I miss her, but um, she uh, was so generous in just how she was with all of us in the company and a beautiful Marion. Everything she ever did was fantastic. But uh, that scene, we were on the, the bridge, and the bridge went from the stage over the orchestra pit. And so our legs were dangling over, you know, the trumpets, and they'd wave, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and a wink and go, like, thumbs up or whatever. Right. Um, also, just there were certain moments with Douglas Sills during the Scarlet Pimpernel when I got to go on. Um, fantastic. Just electric. Um there was a moment in Yiddish Fiddler where Stephen Skybell, who played Tevye and is going to play Tevye again, uh, towards the end of the play where we're talking about our daughters and we're packing up to leave, where we were speaking Yiddish to each other and it seemed as if we had only ever spoken Yiddish to each other um, because we were just so in the moment. Right. Um, you know, going on the first time as an understudy. All of the shows I've ever done, I've understudied and all that. Yeah. The first times are always... Yeah. You, you don't remember it until you get off the stage, right? right. You black out, you just do it. Holy mackerel, I finished. You went on the, you went on the ride. Right. Well, those are wonderful. I, I thank you for taking us down that little journey in memory lane in the way. It's just, I always like hearing people, what, what what stays with them, and I think that's just really important. And also to acknowledge uh, the great career you, you've had and are continued, continued to, continuing to have. Mm. Um, and I know more good things are, are heading your way. Um Let's talk about the City Encore series, yeah. uh, which you've been mm. a part of quite a bit. Uh, we'll say nearly four shows. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because you've done Finian's Rainbow, Music in the Air, Lost in the Stars, and then 
the Love Life Kurt Viles production got called off on March thirteenth, twenty twenty. Unfortunately, right on. Um, is there any? I that had to be heartbreaking. I mean, obviously, like everyone in the industry who had to be sent home because of people be, being safe. Um, any word on that coming back by any chance? I haven't had any definitive word, but from what I know, it is on the docket somehow, some way. Okay. Um, I think there's a great sense of, we haven't closed the chapter on this one. That's how I feel. I mean, because we did um, at the York, Cheek to Cheek, right. uh, and we were going into that. And right. we we still feel like we haven't closed it in a way because uh, we we did it in the winter. And then when Omicron came out, you're saying like, you know. Oh, yes, and, right. And so we end up losing performances. Everyone got ramshackled by that thing. So, and, you know, we're, you know, we're trying to do it one more time. But I, but even with Inwood Artworks, like, you know, yeah. it took me two and a half years to, to actually do the Inwood Film Festival. Yeah. And it was great, and and it was cathartic, and also it's good to close the chapter two and like wipe your slate clean, right? For make make room for what's next, right? Yeah, exactly. In many, in many ways. Well, I hope they can uh, find a way. I know they're having big success right now with Into the Woods, but I hope that uh, yeah they can find ways for the perhaps less popular shows like Love Life to find a way. Even though Kurt Viles, I mean, he's there. I mean, yeah, he's amazing. But perhaps not Sondheim since. Obviously, sometimes hot right now from right his passing. On. Yeah. Um, so hopefully that can come back. Um, you've done a lot of projects, and um, well, during COVID, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that you uh, you're featured in our little Mendelssohn the Hudson uh, right podcast. On. That and was so much fun. Here. Yeah. Thank you again for lending your talent ah, to that. It um, was so great to be able to actually sing something during you know covid and have something to work on that was brand new and wonderful it's pretty amazing and uh ken our technical engineer is here too and just like just thinking about like that was pretty amazing to pull that off yes absolutely <laughs> during during that time it was like we didn't know at the time i mean it was a long haul but uh but everyone contributed uh so many talents to uh and just scheduling to make it happen um everyone involved was just so awesome and um, and it's still there for people to listen to. Yeah. And uh, we'd like for you to listen to actually uh, give you right now a little chance to listen to Mary and uh, a little sn- a snip of her one of her songs from the podcast. So this is Mary performing in Mendelssohn on the Hudson. Take a listen, folks. I had a gold bracelet, the eve of Kristallnacht. I wore my gold bracelet the night they smashed the windows. All I had was the gold bracelet alone at seventeen. I didn't have money. My visa was waiting. My visa was waiting and I badly needed money. There was the gold bracelet, the gold bracelet on my wrist. So that night, while the whole world, while the whole world was still exploding, I looked all over the streets, searching for other Jews like me. And then I found two other ladies, very nice, kind older ladies. And they said, honey, don't follow us. Our husbands are both gone. They said, please don't call attention, for our husbands both are gone. But I still showed them my gold. Yes, I still showed them my gold. And they said, 
We don't want gold, we want our men, we need our men. Nothing more, please buy my gold bracelet. I took it off my arm. I'll sell it for twenty, please buy it for twenty. All I want is twenty, just a fraction what it's worth, for just a hundredth what it's worth. And they said to me, darling, please, no, 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 we don't want your bracelet. But here's the money, what goes around must come around. So please wish us luck, honey, you can keep your bracelet. They gave me the twenty, so I took the money. They ran for their husbands. I ran through the city, and I finally ended up here. I don't have the bracelet. daughter. My daughter has the bracelet. My daughter wears the bracelet. Her bracelet. The bracelet. So that was Mary Ellis from Mendelssohn on the Hudson. Um, and uh, if I remember correctly, uh, one of the first times we've ever worked together was in 2017. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At, at our mm-hmm. pop-up art gallery. Mm-hmm. And you did a selection of songs from all over the musical theater diaspora, I believe, with one companist, right? Yeah, my friend Carl Danielson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. We had a great time, and it was like 13 degrees out or something, if I remember. <laughs> it was cold. In November already. But, yeah. uh, and um, and I know that that was not too long after we first met. Mm-hmm. And um, I always say, and I've said this to you before, I always think like, wow, that was, being able to do that concert was like the beginning of the next little phase of all of my opportunities kind of unfolding. So that was always a wonderful opportunity for me to be able to do that. So yeah, thanks. Well, my pleasure. And we'll try to keep on finding opportunities. That's all I can say. Yeah. Um, We're trying to, you know, that's the thing is that I feel like we're, you know, you, you put your equity in people and in artists. And I feel that's, the real neat thing about what we try to do with them with artworks is find a space for the creation of work and yeah. and say yes within within the realms of possibility, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and how much hair I'm going to lose mm-hmm. by doing a project or, or not. Um, but uh, I have a little bit left still. Absolutely. But, uh, <laughs> but but it was an awesome concert, and you know I hope we can find another space like that where we can have a uh, a place for placemaking. Uh, oh, sorry. Placemaking for the arts is sure. what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, obviously, we need it. And um, off camera, before we started, Mary and I were talking about like, you know, having you know rehearsal and performance space here in the neighborhood, which is always an ongoing conversation of the lack of opportunities. Um, sure. I get a phone call slash email slash courier pigeon yeah. uh, every week or two about, hi, do you know where I could do whatever it is. And right. I'm just like, I'm sorry, I don't have that. And I'm like, well, how do you do it? And I go, well, this is what I do. And I'm, and yeah. go for it. Yeah. Um, it's no secrets. You kind of have to ask. And like, we're here at, um, you know, we use the podcast. We record on location throughout the neighborhood in various locations. We've been at 809 restaurant and lounge, Hudson view gardens, uh, Amore's cafe and here at good shepherd. Uh, it's great. You know, fine. There are community partners out there willing to work with people, yeah, but yeah. No, there isn't like a go-to. Right. Um, yeah. But do you think one would exist? Like we had one. Like how? How do you think it would work here? 
That's a good question. I think it would be really great to have something like that because, I mean, this has always been a neighborhood where actors have come to live mm-hmm. uh, since I can remember, since when I first moved to New York. Um, and there are only more and more people like that. And this neighborhood is really on the on the map right now, too, Washington Heights Inwood. You know, we have parks. We have access to the... West Side Highway immediately, um, beautiful old buildings, lots of buildings being built, whatever you think about that, you know, another, another conversation, but people are coming up here, they're, we're being noticed, and we have been being noticed for the last, whatever, five to eight years, I guess, yeah. maybe longer. There are tons and tons of singers and dancers and actors and musicians and directors and choreographers up here who also do all kinds of other things, too, because that's just the way... It is, Mm -hmm. but rehearsal space, place to do your show, yeah, that would be terrific. I mean, it would have to be, and there are some other organizations that already kind of attempt to do something like that, Um, but yeah, we could all use more space, we could all use practice space, place to teach, place to give classes, all that, funding, right? Funding and space, the two, space. the two are like that, you know, yeah. they come together. But uh, yeah, I think there's just got to be a need and like I said, there's got to be some kind of balance unless you really want to like someone like it's like parking, you know, in a way for the yeah. state road too. It's like whoever can build a parking garage would make a mint. Um, and I do feel yeah. it's like I'm not quite sure. Like I know there's a need for rehearsal performance space, but the question is like artists are the ones who have to pay for it. Right and on. we're the ones artists i'm i'm part of the we yeah as artists like it's you're trying to balance a budget and like a, a normal person is balancing their checkbook and saying how much can i spend for yeah. an hour to do a voice lesson or right. take a voice lesson if yeah. you will or rehearse a scene or do a larger play uh so it's 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 kind of it's it's all you know to be considered um absolutely but uh, a kind of a perfect segue though in talking about your voice studio though Mm. Um, so, uh, can you share, which also started, I think around 2018 or 17 yeah, or 19 like, area had, world, you were, you were talking about it then at least. Yeah. I had taught a little bit like before that, you know, mm-hmm. here and there, um, either, you know, at the Joffrey doing their summer musical theater program. Yeah. I taught up at Riverdale children's theater who they have an amazing summer camp mm-hmm. for kids. Is that out of the Y? Um, or is that? they have a bunch of different locations. They were up at one of the public schools okay. when I was there. Um, they use a bunch of different locations. Yeah. Gotcha. I think they do have space at the Y for some of their productions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had started teaching already back in like 2013 here and there, but then during COVID, yeah. Um, because of zoom, I had some students in Europe and one young, beautiful ballerina in California and another college student out in Missouri. And, um, little kids in the neighborhood taking like a half hour lesson with me after school all on zoom. It was wild and terrific and you know, it has its own drawbacks, but it's something. And, uh, we were able to connect and I could build my studio. And then, uh, then I started teaching in person, of course, once Mm -hmm. everybody kind of got vaccinated and we were all opening back up a bit more. What's yeah. your approach to voice in your studio? Do you have a, a mantra or, or, or guideposts that the merry way? Is, is, there, <laughs> is, there, is there a way of, like you like to approach people? Well, I have to attribute it to David Jones, my teacher here in New York, 
from 20-some years ago, and everyone before him as well. Um, you have to have a pro positive approach. You have to go with... This is a joyful thing, you know. Um, one of the reasons I kind of started teaching even more and more was when I was on the road in Anastasia with these young dancers who could sing beautifully. A couple of them, more than a couple of them said, oh, my teacher, my coach in New York, you know, I said, I really would like to, like, try some soprano rep. And they said, no, you're not ready for that. And I just thought, well, that's, like, absolutely something you would never say, in my opinion, you know, if someone's coming to you wanting to try something, you have to go with it and find a way in. So a positive approach, build on their successes. Everyone's a natural singer to some extent. And all we do with voice lessons is tap into that in a more of a technical way. And there's all kinds of repertoire to work on. You don't have to do art songs or traditional musical theater. You can do pop songs. You can do whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I think most people love to sing. Most people, not everybody, but most people love to sing and it's fun and I would rather bring someone a little joy and help them learn about their body and the mechanism and find a fun way to express themselves. What have you learned from your students? Repertoire. Oh my gosh, the, some of the songs they bring me are amazing. And also just, um, it, it, it's something, taking a voice lesson is something that is somehow cathartic and positive in their day. So I've learned that people need something like that. People need constructive learning situations where they're happy and, and, and working on something that's joyful and interesting and fun. That brings us to a new place mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, and I've learned a lot about, you know, just how the voice functions. And I've learned that I'm actually a pretty good diagnostician. I can kind of tell what's going on. And then it's just for me to find the right words mm -hmm. to say what I think needs to be worked on. Well, that's great. And I, I can tell you're staying on the shoulders of giants. You said that you had mentors that helped mm. you in your own place. And obviously, by being working has helped you quite a bit, too, to... To help and so I think it's fantastic that you're providing mentorship to these young singers and yeah. and people who just want to sing yeah which is also I think should be very much stated out front it's like it should be joyful like it, it shouldn't have to feel like work all the time yeah it should yeah. be something you can just have fun doing absolutely and that's what we do when we go to auditions we show them who we are yeah we walk in as the expert you need a plumber I'm a plumber exactly you know or whatever that's the biggest thing. I'm so happy you said that. I've You're not the first person who said it to me, and that's how I used to be walking in the room, too, and saying, like, you need someone for this role. You need an actor. I'm an actor. Yeah. And why not me? Right. And 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 what I think a lot of actors and singers, because and, I know opera think singers think they're mostly singers not so much as performers sometimes, saying, you know, they're actually looking for you. <laughs> they, they, do, they do want you. Yeah. And I think that's... Not to get in the whole casting conversation, sure. but uh, but that is something that so you are enough. You're 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 special, and you and what you offer is, it, it is you. Yeah, and you just walk into the room and show them what you've got. Yeah, here's my little toolbox. Is this the kind of knife you need? Is this the mm -hmm. spoon you need? No, it's been great being here. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> yes, I'm here for you. That's really what it is. It's hard to do. Sure. It is. But you have to try to keep that. So 
you've spouted off so many great pieces of advice throughout it all and being a teacher and also being an actor. Um, do you have any just general advice? I always like to say this question for people mm-hmm. about young people and also just people who are of all ages who are trying to make it way in the biz. Sure, yes. Um, show business is highly subjective. It's an amazing profession. It's a profession where when you're in rehearsal and in a show, there's a sense of urgency about your work. You have to show up at 7.30 or a half hour, whenever that is. If you're not there at half hour, all hell breaks loose because then they have to find the understudy costumes and all that. Um, And this has happened to me. If you're standing in the wrong place backstage, you could get run over by a piece of scenery or something. Um, So everyone's there. It happens and it's done. There's no casual Friday. Um, Bloom where you're planted. Find somewhere to 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 you know perform or take class or whatever. Stay true to who you are, but explore your options and realize that everybody in the business is someone you can network with and will help you get somewhere. You never, ever, ever know who you're talking to and what they might be able to do for you in 10 years, yeah. including the hall monitor at an, at an audition whenever we hopefully get back to fully, maybe sometime in the soonish, hopefully auditioning all in person again. Um, but anyone that you come into contact with in the business is a professional colleague and down the line can help you out somehow, or you could help them in some way as well. Great words. And I'll just say true to form with that. I'm still in touch with the person who was the monitor at my first ever equity principal audition. Yeah. I'm still in touch with them. Absolutely. Uh, Because you should be. Yeah. And what, because, because why not? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Great, great words of wisdom. Great. Well, Mary, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Where can we send people to hear more of your work and, and also learn about more your voice studio? Oh, sure. So I do have a YouTube channel and it's Mary Illis. And I am on Facebook. You can find me there. Um, I'm on Instagram. <laughs> My Instagram handles are M. Catherine Illis or Mary Illis Voice Studio. Both of those will work. And I have a website, maryillis.net. Perfect. Yeah. People, you have your marching instructions to where you can (laughs) find her. She's everywhere. Can't miss her. Or walking down the street in Inwood. Flag her down. She's she's here. I've seen her. Um, Well, we'll put some of those uh, links in the description of this episode for let you all easily find her. Um, But thank you so much, Mary, for making time to be here today. My pleasure. It was great. Thank you. You betcha. So... This is the Artist Spotlight episode of In What Artworks On Air. It's where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home here in Upper Manhattan. If you have a moment, please show us some love right now by rating and reviewing this podcast on Apple Podcasts. That really does help. Many thanks to Church of Good Shepherd here in Inwood for hosting us and to Heightsites.com for uptown promotional support. You can support On Air and all of our programming by making a tax-free donation at inwoodartworks.nyc backslash donate and via Venmo. Be sure to follow us on social media at Inwood Artworks to keep up with all that we do, which includes the Inwood Film Festival, Filmworks Al Fresco, pop-up art galleries, live performances, and so much more. Inwood Artworks On Air is proud to be supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council. 
From the top of Manhattan and the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Aaron Sims for In What Artworks On Air. <laughs>